You are listening. You are listening. You are listening to the Fly Fishing ninety seven podcast. I only met Peter a handful of times. It was always at the the Corbett Lake Country Inn. Which yeah. for for those of you that don't know, in the interior of BC, there's a lake called Corbett Lake, and Peter ran a kind of a lodge, and he was a chef and a rod builder, and he had all these amazing stories. He was a British guy. Um, I, I'd like to dig into that a little bit because the guy always made me laugh whenever I went in there. Yeah. He was a well, straight yeah, shooter. Well, T- tell well, me a little bit about that. Yeah, well, Peter is, you know, he he's a one of a kind guy. I met a lot of people in my lifetime, but I've only only one Peter McVeigh. Is the storytelling that he and his memory for this kind of stuff, eh? Yeah, you know, and remembering people's names and stuff like that. He was really, really good at it. But you know, I got, I got to do the, I did, I, I did, I've done two, two editions of the Peter McVeigh book, and because Pete was involved in, in the bamboo rod building, the Corbett Lake Bamboo Rod Building Association, and when they formed it, uh, oh, uh, in two oh eight, it was the thirty years. Uh, they made it every two years, so it was 30 years ago. From uh, so it'd be 1988, I guess, probably. Would it? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Hmm. Anyway, it uh, it was John Boxstrom and Don Anderson. Uh, Boxstrom was a totem fly fish, and Anderson came out of Alberta. And then we were at a, a British Columbia Federation of Fly Fishers. We used to have our AGM and dinner thing at Pete's Lodge there. Right. And these two guys were talking about bamboo rods. And it was a dying craft at that time because fiberglass and graphite were coming in and sure. uh, the people. Anyway, they, they thought, well, maybe maybe we should uh, try and organize a gathering uh, of the, the existing bamboo rod builders and share information, okay, on how to do this to try and keep the craft alive. And, of course, this was happening uh, maybe at Peter, at, at Pete, and Pete built bamboo rods too. So they approached Peter and said, "What do you think about having a meeting, okay, with like-minded bamboo rod builders?" So that started that uh, that bamboo rod building group, and it came, you know, every two years they would meet, uh, mostly at Corbett, okay, but it got it got to be too big, and then they moved it up in, into Kamloops, where they're having it now, but uh, for. Um, the University of Western Washington have what they call an oral fly fishing oral history program, and they've been trying to get Peter documented for a, a long time. Well, in about 2006, I guess, or 17, 20, no, 16 or 17, Pete wouldn't go down to the States to get it done, which is more than they normally did it. There was two fellows that came up and did the interview at Peter's house. Normally, they only spend like an, an, an hour doing an interview. Well, they were there with Peter for six or seven hours, okay, on t- him telling all these stories. <laughs> so they had this 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 transcripts of this interview down there in, in the library archives in, in Western Washington University. And uh, um, the the guys at Corbett, they wanted to honor Pete uh, at, on the 2018 1A gathering. And they asked me if I would do a a short write-up on Peter, okay? And uh, in 2000, in, in when we were, had the British Columbia Federation of Fly Fishing Things in Kamloops, uh, and we honored Bill Nation at that one, I did a 10-page pamphlet, okay, on Bill Nation that was handed out to the people. And that's what they were looking at, at doing. And then I had, well, I think, uh, let me, I, I told to let me think about it because I didn't have that, that kind of information at hand, but I knew the interview would have been 
been done down in, in the States. So I, anyway, I got the interview from the people down there, the transcript of Peter's, and I read through it. And I said, well, I can do more, okay? I, I can do a, 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 you know, a, a small book on it. So I ended up doing a 42-page book. Welcome to the Fly Fishing 97 podcast, featuring interviews with passionate people within the fly fishing industry. We focus on guides, conservation, resort managers, gear, and talented fly tires bringing usable information to fly fishers. The Fly Fishing 97 podcast is brought to you by The Fly Crate. Theflycrate.com is your source for all things fly fishing. The Fly Crate offers a monthly fly club. We select patterns every month for your home waters. With membership, you'll receive flies created to match the hatch in your area, along with the Fly Crate's guide magazine, the convenience of having flies delivered right to your door, some sweet stickers. Discover new patterns and start stocking your fly boxes now. Theflycrate.com. Here's your host, Mark Hopley. Welcome to this edition of the Fly Fishing 97 podcast. Really happy you chose to join us this time around. And we've got something extra special for you today. We're going to head out to the Vancouver area of British Columbia, Canada. We've got Art Lindgren on the line. Now, Art is a, uh, well, he's a pretty well-known steelheader, author, historian. Um, he's written a lot of books. His latest one uh, on Peter McVeigh. Uh, you would know Peter probably from uh, Corbett Lake. Uh, we're going to talk. He's written Fly Patterns of Roderick Haig Brown, a uh, personal hero of mine for sure. Uh, the River Journal on the Thompson. We can talk about those slippery rocks probably all day. Uh, Fly Patterns of BC in 96. Irresistible Waters, another book. Uh, Steelhead River Journal on the Dean River. Um, famous BC Fly Fishing Waters. Um, Art, you've got a book on the Kispiox, Bob Clay, Harry Lemire. Uh, steelhead influences bill mcmillan sid glasso i don't know where to start with you art thanks so much for coming on the show yeah well it's it's fun to be doing this kind of stuff okay maybe pass a little bit of knowledge on uh yeah who knows okay <laughs> well i know you'll definitely do just that and uh Really, really grateful you took the time today. Yeah. Um, I just want to, I always like to start the show off kind of how this obsession started for you. So maybe walk us through how you came to discover fly fishing uh, and that journey. Yeah, okay. It, uh, it actually started when I, 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 I got married, uh, okay, to my wife, Bev. And uh, uh, I, I did a little bit of fishing before that, okay. Uh, but, you know, I... My 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 father died in 1947. I wasn't. I was about three months before my fifth birthday. So you know, living in Vancouver here with no 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 father. Okay, and my mother had five kids, and with the six on the way, we were, you know, poor poor family. So you know, the opportunity to go fishing was not there. We had a little creek in downtown on the uh, down down on the Musqueam near the Musqueam Indian Reserve down there called Musqueam Creek or yep. Tinkling Creek is what we called it. Okay. And we go down there and try and catch a little coal fry and stuff like that. But it wasn't until actually I got married that uh, we, my wife and I were uh, rented an apartment. Okay. Uh, and uh, one day there was a, I must've been walking in with fishing equipment to, into, into the apartment because the neighbor across the hall, he saw it and he, uh, he, we got to, started to talk and he, you know, he was fly fisherman. So, uh, 
Anyway, he says, oh, you, know, you should try it, okay? We should go out some hours, maybe. So anyway, yeah, yeah that's, that got me that got, got me going on it. He tried to teach me how to do some fly casting, okay? I bought a rod from Earl Anderson and Woodridge down there, and uh, and uh, then that wasn't working out too well, the fly casting thing through him trying to teach me. So, But there at Vancouver Technical School, they had uh, fly casting and fly tying, again, by Earl Anderson, uh, who was a tackle salesman down there at Woodward's in downtown Vancouver. So I took Earl's uh, fly casting course, so that got the basics done, and uh, and I started to uh, getting a little bit of fly tying material back then. But I, I didn't do a lot of a lot of, uh, of 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 fly fishing. I was still, you know, float fishing for steelhead. Uh, mm-hmm. But in ni- 1979, I uh, I decided I was going to steelhead fly fish. Okay, uh, and one uh, one of the things in those early or early years was, uh, uh, you know, my mother and my wife both bought me Hague uh, Brown books and other other fishing books, but you know, Hague Brown every path okay for reading his stuff leads you to fly fishing so uh you know i and in 79 i hear well, well i know enough about uh you know i've i've, I've caught a fair amount of steelhead using the, the gear that i'm gonna i'm gonna try fly fishing for 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 steelhead and uh, so i started tying flies at the beginning of the year and by the time uh, october came uh, uh for the thompson river i'd uh, you know had a yeah, myself basically ready and a nice little graphite rod that I bought and a new Hardy St. John reel that Hardy uh, St. John was what Roderick Hague Brown recommended a for a good reel for just general steelhead fly fishing. So anyway, I, uh, I have spent about oh, two, 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 again, you're, we're, we're, we're working. Okay. You're, so you only got the weekends to go fishing basically other than, you know, holidays and stuff like that. But when you're married and uh, you got other commitments too. So anyway, no, I don't, we, I don't know anything about that. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so, so we, we'd head up to the Thompson starting and uh, usually Thanksgiving weekend. And uh, you know, so we'd go up there, you know, every, every, every weekend until the end of November or even in December, if it and, and it often it got too cold. Okay, so uh, we'd quit that, and then we'd end up on the on the better fishing. And uh, so anyway, uh, it was uh, uh, October 1979. I think we made about two. Th- it was on our third trip up there, and the fishing had been really slow. And my 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 friends were still gear fishing. Okay, but I was sticking with the fly. And then it was on a Sunday afternoon that we were going to head back home, and uh, we were driving past the graveyard run on the, on the Thompson there and there was nobody in it. So I said, well, I guess it's, you know, might as well give it a shot. So I walked down there to the bottom end of it and threw my, my fly out there and there was a boil and a pluck at the fly and I, oh, that looks like probably a good trout. Okay. And you know, missed it, missed it, didn't hook up. And then I threw it out again. And next thing I know, I had this uh, bolt of lightning on the end of my line, uh, and it was a 34-inch uh, female uh, Thompson River steelhead. So wow, uh, that was the that was my first fly caught steelhead, and uh, I, I went home and arranged to have a a week off work. Okay, and went back up there, and I got seven more that that week. So wow, uh, yeah. So how, it was. How it was, was? Yeah, I was go gonna, ahead. I was gonna say, how was the adrenaline rush 
after oh, that yeah. first well, one. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Oh, that's right. It's a, it's a pretty thrilling thing. Okay. When you're, uh, and it, it, you know, it, 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 that formed the basis of, of me doing a, a lot of things like, you know, I, I was using a floating line too. Okay. And you know, it's common practice now on, on the, on, on the Thompson and a lot of summer around rivers to do that. But back then there were, most of the guys I, I, I bumped into were using sink tips and stuff like that. So uh, anyway, it started me and I've, I, ever since that, uh, that Thompson fishing with a floating line, you know, wherever I have, have had the opportunity to use that uh, and fish a fly just underneath the surface, uh, you know, I've done it. Okay. So, mm -hmm. uh, sure. you know, yeah, but again, you know, I'd use sink tips when the, the river got, uh, um, cloudy, like I went on the knee river and even on the copper up in the, up in the, up in the Skeena system. Sometimes they're, they're, they're quite, they were quite milky with glacial melt and stuff like that. So, yeah. Right. So, so Art, if you had to look back at, at your history of spending so much time in the great outdoors, chasing steelhead, uh, fly fishing your way around the province of British Columbia and beyond, who would you cite as influences along the way in your journey? Uh, well, again, uh, Roger K. Brown, okay, uh, but not, I didn't meet him personally, but, you know, through reading his books, uh, and uh, in 83, I, I, I joined the Totem Fly Fishers, and I, I fished with uh, uh, Bob Taylor, okay, Bob's on the cover of one of my books, but, uh, you know, he, he and I were fishing partners for a number of years, and, uh, you know, we, we influenced one, one another, but Bob had been doing it for, oh, since uh this 50s probably so you know he had a lot more experience than i had i had uh, jerry Wendell was another one that i met along the way okay jerry was one of the most um uh, my friend ron grantham used to call jerry a, a primitive primitive because uh, he was he, he had he, an instinct that okay that uh mm -hmm. uh yeah, some animals or and, and humans have okay just knowing where to fish and when to fish and, uh, and, and was really good at finding fish. Okay. So, um, anyway, uh, the, the, those are the kind of guys that had yeah. an influence on me. And of course, you know, I fished up in the Skeena there, uh, Rob Brown. Okay. He wrote, wrote writes for the, uh, the local paper up there. Uh, he, he's called the, his, his byline is the Skeena, the Skeena angler up there. And I fished with Rob a lot up there and, uh, you know, I learned stuff from him too. Okay. Uh, mm. Bob Clay's another one. Okay. A good friend. And, uh, you know, Bob's one of those, uh, one of those guys, he, he, you know, he guided, uh, but, uh, uh, there was one, one comment he always makes about, when you're fishing surface flies, you know, to to use the smallest fly that you can think you can get away with, okay? Whereas a lot of people think, well, this is still is a big fish. I'm going to use a big fly. Right. Well, sometimes it's uh, it's better to use a small fly, okay? That suits the water conditions a, sure. a little bit better. So It's always yeah. amazing to me how the biggest fish seem to fall for the smallest presentation sometimes. Yeah, right. Oh, yeah, yeah, hmm. yeah. Yeah. I want to take some time to get to know you and your tendencies kind of off the water. You ready for a few random questions? Sure. Let's talk music. So if you're driving in your truck and you're headed, uh, even if you're headed to the interior, or you're headed to uh, do some steel headed, wherever you're going, what are you playing on the stereo? What kind of music do you like? Uh, well, I'm, I, 
I, I listen to a lot of classical stuff, okay? Uh, Beethoven, uh, Mozart, Tchaikovsky, but, you know, I like uh, uh, Paul, Paul McCarthy. I, I've got a number of, I'm still using CDs in my truck, okay? So I yeah. don't have uh, the, 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 the hookup with my phone with a lot of uh, music on it. So, yeah, you know, it's, it. yeah, so it's, it's a, a variety of things, okay? I'm not just classical, but I do like the, the soothing uh you know, especially when I'm doing some uh, work, okay, like up downstairs here working or fly tying. Well, I have the the uh, a station on that's uh, you know relaxing type music. It doesn't yeah. interfere with my thought process and sure. what I'm doing and stuff like that. But it's there. It's kind of company, I guess. I, I want to so, talk fly patterns with you. So one steelhead fly pattern that you can't live without. So if you had to reach for one pattern more often yeah. than not what would it be yeah, yeah. well it'd be my black gp the yeah. black general practitioner yeah i've i've used it on 70 75 to 80 80 waters okay and i've caught virtually every 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 species of cold water fish there is in british columbia i think on it okay so uh other than grayling i haven't caught a grayling i haven't caught a pipe on it but uh all the five species of salmon, steelhead, winter, summer runs, sea run cutthroat, uh, resident cutthroat, rainbows and rivers, uh, sea run bull trout, dollies. Uh, yeah. Why, you know. why do you think art that's such an effective pattern? Like, if you... Well, it, it, uh, it's a fly that I, I, I came up with, or, I, you know, I, I, through my reading, and, and, and some of this came out of reading uh, British uh, uh, Atlantic salmon uh, uh, authors, okay, on uh, on what fly they thought was more effective, okay, especially for floating line type fishing. And black was a common theme, okay, for many of them. A dark toned fly, you mm -hmm. know, the fish is looking up and, you know, this thing coming across above them, black shows up better than, uh, uh, so anyway, that's... Uh, yeah. That, that's the the reason. Of course, the orange GP, okay, the regular one was a good steelhead fly for me too, okay. And uh, so when I tied the black up, though, it uh, it suited my thought processes. And you know, I, you know, when you start catching fish, you sometimes catch a lot of fish with a particular fly. And it it's one of those flies that for me, I can I can I I I, I can walk to a river and you know uh, put it on, and I'm. I can, it's a good search pattern. I, I don't have to worry about, you know, mm -hmm. uh, if I keep, keep them moving, I don't have to worry about, oh, I need to change a fly because there's a fish down there. You know, and I, that's one uh, way I like to fish too. I don't like to be staying in a pool, standing there and just casting, casting, casting. Uh, sure. I'd rather keep moving. Okay. And, yep. you know, find a run where there's some fish in. So uh, we used to call that the gun and run. Yeah. 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 So. Um, favorite place to talk fly fishing so is there a coffee shop uh is there a fly shop uh, you know a yeah, pub? Where, where do you go to get your fix when you're not fishing no well again uh uh oh since the 80s since i've joined the totems it's the totems fly fishers that i'm 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 i mean i'm in uh, uh the few of the guys, we have our regular meetings, okay, once, once, 10, 10, 10, 10 meetings a year, and, and they're usually dinner meetings, so you get to uh, talk to your, your, your fellow club members there on different uh, parts of fly fishing, because there's, you know, every, the, the guys do a lot of different things, from salmon fishing, steelhead fishing, trout fishing, uh, summer sea run cutthroat guys, uh, but, you know, 
in addition to that, since the early 80s, there's a few people that uh, met on a, had Thursday lunches, okay? And uh, even when we were working, they would be reasonably close to work. So we'd end up down there and it was a, a more, not select group, but just more a group like me, it would be steelhead fishers that would, would, would be there. Sometimes there's only three or four of us, sometimes it's up to a dozen. So, and we're, you know, with this COVID thing, we've stopped uh, for the past while, but we're actually back up again. I've had lunch today with five other guys. Okay, yeah, they're, they're the people I we talk to about fishing and stuff like that. We're all getting old, though. Okay, sometimes it's uh, it's health problems that comes up rather than rather than fishing. But yeah, so that's basically you. the the place where I I I, I do most of that off river or off water or fish yeah. talk stuff. Yeah. Uh, are you a big sports guy, or, this, or are you Canucks fan, no, Lions I mean, fan? I, I, you know, I, I would rather watch a good nature program than watch sports on television. But I do <laughs> like, I do, I do like, you know, international hockey, especially when Canada's playing in 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 those tournaments. So, and uh, I, I like the World Cup type of uh, a soccer, football, or you know, they, mm -hmm. most of the world calls it football, and we in North America call it soccer. But uh, so those kind of things. So. If you had to think about all your years on the water, your time at the vice, if you could distill down kind of what fly fishing brings to your world, like why do you do it? Is there something that, what drives you to, to chase these fish and, and tie these patterns and tell people stories? Yeah, well, part of it is getting in the outdoors, okay? There's there's just something about being out in along a river, mostly for me, it's been rivers, but, you know, still water too, still nice to be out there. But, you know, the, with the, the river flowing by and you're trying to find fish uh, and, you know, you're in a setting that's just... Uh, just agreeable to, agreeable to my personality, you know, I, I, like, I like the solitude, and uh, I just, I, you know, we, I, I get involved in it, okay, and uh, just mm -hmm. we get out there in the, in the, in the morning, let's say, eight o'clock, you know, five o'clock's done, you know, uh, in, in no time, so uh, it's just, uh, yeah, there's contentment, uh, you know, working in, in, uh, in, in an office environment for most of my work life, uh, you, it gets you out uh, away from all that, not all stress and, uh, mm -hmm. you know, the stuff related to the normal day living. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. How so, many, how many years ago did you retire? I retired in two years, 2000, so in January, okay. 2000. So and, I, and what was your day job? My day job was a, uh, I, I worked 37 years. It's called Metro Vancouver now, but when I first started with it, it was called the Greater Vancouver Water District and yep. the Greater Vancouver Sewage and Drainage District. They were two entities, and then it became the, the Greater Vancouver Regional District in 1976. So, you know, I started as an office boy working out of the personnel department, but then uh, uh, they're really good to to people that want, would like to go to school and wanted to learn. So I ended up doing uh, rotting on a, on a survey crew. And then uh, I was good at mathematics and stuff like that. So they would need, they needed a, a draft person in, 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 uh, in the office there. So they asked if I was willing to 
to uh, come into the office and take corresponding courses to become a, a drafts person. So I did that. And then I went back to study at BCIT and I got a civil engineering technologist ticket. So, mm -hmm. so I, mean, I was a surveyor, a drafts person. I ended up being uh, a, 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 an inspector on on our work projects like you know the water mains we put in where you know these big supply means that uh, come out of the dams into the right. into the city and we had you know the big sewer mains and uh, so I, so anyway I did I did a number of things for them and then I ended up kind of becoming the supervisor of, yeah. of survey and inspection and then uh, it ended up expanding a little bit more I had all the engineering services. Uh, uh, you know, maybe a hundred people at one time or other I reported to me. Uh, and then my last jobs were in administrator of engineering services. And then uh, they were doing a restructuring in the last uh, couple of years of my, my work life. And I was asked to hang on to uh, help with the restructuring of the organization. And uh, right. so I ended up being an administrator of restructuring. So, uh, hmm. so it was a good career. Nice place to work, and I, you know, I, I really got to know the Lower Mainland because we worked in. There's 20, 20. There was 20 municipalities. What they were in in the Greater Vancouver Regional District. They're called cities now, most of them. But uh, right. So now, uh, you know, to, so, yeah. what what um like since you've been retired, because uh, you and I were talking just before we kind of hopped on to recording this, and you're saying I can't believe how busy I am. It's like. Yeah. What do you fill in your time with these days? I know you're doing a lot of writing. Um, sure, I assume you're doing presentations. What What are you up to? Yeah, well, again, mostly it's uh, I read a lot. Okay, that's my other hobby is is uh, reading. Uh, you know, some of them are just novels. I I like science books. I just finished reading uh, the. Um, God, because the code breaker, okay, which is okay, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. You do you know that? Yeah, uh, you heard that book. Yeah. Well, it was a really, really good one. You know, if you like science and and uh, you know its aspects for the human uh, medicine, uh, you know, it, it was really interesting. But hmm. uh, you know, but I like I read uh, you know crime novels and stuff like that. But uh, yeah. uh, I tie flies, okay. I got my fly time rooms right next to me, and uh, uh, you know, I'm writing a lot actually on facebook uh some of my posts uh, are you know they're quite extensive they're not just a picture there's usually a little story i put with them uh, so you know i've done a lot of that over the years and right. uh, and you know i'm uh, in the past uh, well since covid you know i had bob clay book came out at the start of covid and then i did uh, uh steelhead influences uh after that and uh then i did the, the sid glasso book and no, actually, yeah, yeah. And then before that, I did Harry Lemire. And uh, so in the past, since 2008, I've gotten five books. So, hmm. you know, you just, you, it, it, it takes quite a while to, to, to work on these things. Right. And yeah, I'm, I'm, the, I'm the photographer too. You know, I, I write this, these, these stuff, but I still do, do, you know, take hundreds of bloody pictures for, uh, yeah. for, uh, for uh, you know, books on flies and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah. Well, we're so really. I keep, busy, I keep busy doing that kind of stuff, hey. Eh? Yeah. yeah, no, that's I, I could totally get that. But I'm really yeah. grateful you're joining us tonight. We've got Art Lindgren on the line now, uh, steelheader, author, historian. He really has his finger on the pulse of fly fishing and steelhead in the province of British Columbia. Just check him out on. If somebody wants to check out your patterns online and some of the books that you're, uh, where do we find you on Facebook and where do we find you on Instagram? 
Uh, I don't have an Instagram thing. I just got Facebook, and okay. it's hard lingering. Okay. Uh, yep. Yeah. Got it. And my the books mostly. I've I've I'm I don't have a lot here. Okay. Most there's a few stores that have them now, uh, uh, but you know they're not big print runs. So uh, once they're done, they're done. So I've got uh, a few of your books sitting here on my on my bookshelf here. So. Um, really excited to chat with you so i want i want to dig into some of these these things you've been writing I, I, there's one question i want to ask you first so when fill in the blank for me when i'm not fly fishing i'm usually doing what uh uh writing or reading okay yeah. but however yeah, one or the other got it yeah. talk uh, to I me like walking too i like to walk i go for i get twelve thousand steps in each day okay so wow Art, yeah. if you don't mind me yeah. asking, how old are you now? I'm 78, uh, uh, well, 78 and a half, okay, so I'm getting on. How how much, no, how much are you, how much are you still getting out? I mean, I know COVID's kind of kicked us for a bit of a ride here, but, I mean, if, if you know, all things are normal and things open uh, up in a few months. I, I'd say probably, uh, probably 60 days a year. Wow, good for you. Yeah. Are you, yeah, is that yeah. mostly primarily steelhead? Are you still doing some still water stuff? Yeah. I, I, again, I'll probably fish uh, uh, on a normal year, 20 days still water. Uh, and then, uh, uh, then there'd be steelhead fishing. But sure. I'm, I, 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 a few years ago, I started going way up towards the Yukon and I spent some part time up there fishing grayling and, uh, and some trout up in those rivers up there. And, and I've been going over to Haida Gwaii and, in in september too as part of that trip okay to do some coho fishing uh hmm. so I, I have a little bit more of a variety i i still like steelhead fishing but i'm not doing as much of it uh, and the ones that i'm doing now i you know i used to wander around you know for a month like, often by myself okay hmm. and uh, uh you know i have friends that are a little older than me and they say you know you shouldn't be doing that anymore okay getting <laughs> out there and in in those places where you know there's no cell phone service and you're out there drifting a river and your water master by yourself because it's uh, something can happen okay you could slip and fall and, uh, so you know i don't like i don't fish the thompson anymore uh, because i was the, just gonna say man you were weaned on the thompson you can go yeah, anywhere yeah, yeah. well it was one of my, my favorite river for you know 30 years but uh you know, the, those boulders and stuff like that are, are really tough for, you know, when you get yeah. to my age. So, I mean, well, they are tough. Yeah. You know, so yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm watching what I'm doing. Okay. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. Good stuff. Yeah. Hey, yeah. what's the best job you've ever had? Are you doing it now when you're writing or is it back in the, uh, the GVRD days or, um, yeah. Um, you know, this is fun stuff doing this now, but you know, there was one job I had when I, I was uh, back in the '60s, and when I first became a, a, a surveyor, uh, the the regular survey, like I'd be working in the office doing drafting, but I could do surveying. And then when people wanted to go on holidays, well, uh, I would take the go out and do survey work for you know as a fill-in. So, uh, but there was one one summer there that they wanted to uh, they'd uh, put in area do do an aerial photography. Uh, mapping of the uh, of the uh, the Cleveland Dam uh, Capilano River watershed, mm -hmm. so they put in targets, okay, uh, uh, and, and then they fly it. Well, to get do the 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 aerial mapping, they have to have uh, elevation control, 
So I spent the, the summer of, I think, 64 or 65, something like that, running a benchmark system from Cleveland Dam up to the Marion Divide, okay, which was, I don't, can't remember how many miles, but, uh, hmm. you know, uh, so that was a, that was an interesting thing because, again, you're, you know, the city's not that very far away, and, you know, and half a million people down there where I'm, I'm in a wilderness thing with my Rodman, and the, the, the closest thing we're probably see in a day is maybe the, the inspector that is running around on the on the roads uh, and and uh, wild animals like bears or deer so <laughs> so yeah well, that was that was real cool to be able to do that yeah good stuff yeah, yeah. i i want to dig into some of your books um yeah. tell me about your late friend peter mcveigh cuz i i i've only met i only met peter a handful of times it was always at the the corbett lake country inn which yeah. for for those of you that don't know, in the interior of BC, there's a lake called Corbett Lake, and Peter ran a kind of a lodge, and he was a chef and a rod builder, and he had all these amazing stories. He was a British guy. Um, I, I'd like to dig into that a little bit because the guy always made me laugh whenever I went in there. Yeah. He was a well, straight yeah, shooter. Well, T- tell yeah, me yeah. a little bit about that. Yeah, well, Peter is, you know, he he's a one of a kind guy. I met a lot of people in my lifetime, but I've only only one Peter McVeigh. Because the storytelling that he and his memory for this kind of stuff, eh? yeah, you know, and remembering people's names and stuff like that, he was really, really good at it. But you know, I got, I got to do the, I did, I, I did, I've done two, two editions of the Peter McVeigh book, and because Pete was involved in, in the bamboo rod building, the Corbett Lake Bamboo Rod Building Association, and when they formed it, uh, oh, uh, in two oh eight, it was the thirty years. Uh, they made it every two years, so it was 30 years ago from, uh, so it would be 1988, I guess, probably. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Hmm. Anyway, it, uh, it was John Boxstrom and Don Anderson. Uh, Boxstrom was a totem fly fish, and Anderson came out of Alberta. And then we were at a, a British Columbia Federation of Fly Fishers. We used to have our AGM and dinner thing at Pete's Lodge there. Right. And these two guys were talking about bamboo rods. And it was a dying craft at that time, just fiberglass and graphite were coming in. And sure. uh, the people, anyway, they, they thought, well, maybe maybe we should uh, try and organize a gathering uh, of the, the existing bamboo rod builders and share information, okay, on how to do this to try and keep the craft alive. And, of course, this was happening uh, maybe at Peter, at, at Pete, and Pete built our bamboo rods too. So they approached Peter and said, "What do you think about having a meeting, okay, with like-minded bamboo rod builders?" So that started that uh, that bamboo rod building group, and it came, you know, every two years they would meet, uh, mostly at Corbett, okay, but it got it got to be too big, and then they moved it up in, into Kamloops, where they're having it now, but uh, for um, the University of Western Washington have what they call an oral fly fishing oral history program, and they've been trying to get Peter documented for a, a long time. Well, in about 2006, I guess, or 17, 20, no, 16 or 17, Pete wouldn't go down to the States to get it done, which is more than they normally did it. There was two fellows that came up and did the interview at Peter's house. Normally, they only spend like an, an, an hour doing an interview. Well, they were there with Peter for six or seven hours, okay, on to him telling all these stories. <laughs> so they had this, this this transcripts of this interview down there in, in the library archives in, in Western Washington University. And uh, uh, 
the the guys at Corbett, they wanted to honor Pete uh, at, on the 208 1A gathering. And they asked me if I would do a, a short write-up on Peter, okay? And uh, in 2000, in, in when we were, had the British Columbia Federation of Fly Fishing Things in Kamloops, uh, and we honored Bill Nation at that one, I did a 10-page pamphlet, okay, on Bill Nation that was handed out to the people. And that's what they were looking at, at doing. And then I well, I think uh, let me. I I told them to let me think about it because I didn't have that that kind of information at hand. But I knew the interview would been been done down in the, in the states. So I anyway, I got the interview from the people down there, the transcript of Peters, and I read through it. And I said, well, I can do more. Okay, I I can do a, a, a you know a, a small book on it. So I ended up doing a forty-two page book uh, with pictures in it uh, uh, that the the bamboo rod guys were sponsoring okay because they bought i don't know 50 or 60 of them uh, and i don't know how many i printed maybe 150 probably total so i sold the, i sold them uh, but that's the reason I, I i i did it i did it for the corbett lake bamboo rod building association and they will honor peter mcveigh hmm. so how, and then how much to, of what like i'm curious because i mean you're a lot of your books are on legends yes. um i mean how much of that to you is documenting their life or what, what, what does that do? Because like, I'll be honest with you, Art, that's why I do this podcast. I want to talk to people that, that know the industry or passionate about it. And then it's a reference point, right? It's like a snapshot in time, like your book. You can always go back and you can kind of flip through and say, ah, oh, yeah, you know, yeah. um, Peter was a unique individual as a lot of the people you've written about. And I'm just curious kind of what motivates you to do that. Yeah, well, again, uh, uh, doing that, uh, ha having that that interview that, that the university did on Pete, it uh, it uh, I knew they did one on Harry too. So after I did the one on Peter, because it was it was pretty good. Okay, it, it turned out quite quite good for a, a small book. And uh, I said, well, maybe I'll uh, take a look at Harry's interview. And uh, I knew I've known Harry, you know, on and off for a number of years, and he's. Uh, he was always good when I wanted flies for something. Okay, he would send me up uh, patterns and stuff like that. Well, you know, and he 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 had already died. So uh, anyway, I I I I tossed it around with a few friends, and I decided, well, look at how I'll, I'll do it. Uh, do a Harry Lemire book, and then with you know having social media there, you can kind of test the waters and see how who would be interested in. Uh, so anyway, I I make a list on. <laughs> The, the people that showed interest and want to get a copy of this. And then I made hmm. a decision on, on, uh, on uh, how many to print. And with Harry, uh, I thought I would do a limited, limited edition. Uh, I, with Peter McVeigh, we did four specially bound things. Okay. Uh, and, and special books, they were quarter leather bound hard covers. And uh, uh, with the, on, on the, the uh, and uh, we had a, a clamshell box made that enclosed this book, and within that box there was a a little strip of bamboo on it that uh, uh, said Maker Peter McVeigh. Okay, I mm. uh, well with Harry, I, uh, I I managed to get some of his salmon flies, so we ended up doing a quarter leather bound uh, edition with in a clamshell box with one of his Atlantic salmon hand tied flies in it. Uh, 
So uh, I can't remember how many they did of it, but mm -hmm. uh, they were really expensive to do. Uh, Oh. And they're really pricey too, because his his flies were really really valuable. I know that that uh, you know, depending on the fly, you know, there was a couple of people that paid nine hundred bucks for that bloody book. Okay, wow. which is a lot of money. So, mm. so each book I've done now since then, like Bob Clay, I, Bob, uh, he, he actually made little pieces of rod with a cross section, and we mounted them in in the limited edition books. So, uh, I I only charged about 150 for for bob's uh, limited edition uh, mm. uh this sid glasso uh book was 200 uh that uh, um I, I charged for it so each one of these ones i've done i like these fancy books for my library okay so right. I, I do the i do the soft covers but then you know I've, I've got these 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 good books that uh are again in, in my library that uh, I've kind of collected. So, I got your fly uh, patterns, a BC book, and I, I I've uh, I've referenced that so many times over the years. So thanks for doing that. And that's, yeah, well, that's... that was a, that was a real fun project too. You know, uh, one of one of the things I over over the years, you know, like you, you mentioned, I was the his, his historian, and often I would go on a fishing trip, like to the to the to, to the Thompson. I'd do my fishing, but I go around to the museums in Vernon and uh, and Chase and uh, looking for old fishing pictures. The Kamloops Museum, looking, and so uh, over the van the archives in Vancouver Island. Okay, I do a couching trip, but end up in there looking for old fishing pictures and uh, and in the in the archive libraries where they got the old the old books that were written uh, uh, about fishing in. Uh, or travel, okay, in, in British Columbia in the, in the late 1860s up until, you know, the, well, 1860s to about 19, 1920, there was, uh, you know, about 24, 25 books that had parts BC. So I was trying to find all this information uh, and references, okay, that I could refer to on, when in, in, in writing, like life patterns of British Columbia, you know, that the red shirted trapper is, is the first fly that ever came out of out of uh, devised in British Columbia that I found in in writing, and uh, hmm. it was up there in the Kootenays. Okay, with this guy, I ran out of his British flies, and he he put together this this fly, which ended up being called the red shirted trapper. What does that uh, look like? What's a red? What's it? What is a well, red shirted? Got a little red body, okay, of it. I figure yeah. the body was probably out of uh, off of a, a Hudson Bay blanket. Used to have a the Hudson's Blade Bank, it used to have a red red border around it, okay? Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. And then it was a grouse feather that he shot up there. So, uh, uh, yeah, so anyway, it's in Fly Patterns of British Columbia. You can see it, okay? Yeah. We're chatting tonight with Art Lindgren, steelheader, author, historian, uh, wrote a ton of books. Um, I, I, I just don't know where to go with you, man. There's so many things we can talk about. Without giving away too many secrets, because I, I, I'm really conscious of that with social media and podcasts. It's like, you know, if you say, okay, this spot of this river, next day you go out there and there's 20 people. We don't yeah, want that. Right. But your favorite river, and I, I know you have a fondness for the Thompson, but we talk about the Kispiox, we talk about the Dean. Steelhead. Let's talk yeah. Steelhead. Your yeah. go-to uh, well, you know, if, if people used to ask me that would be the river I'm on at the time, but 
you know, I, the Dean was really good. I, you know, I spent 33 seasons on the Dean also. Okay. Uh, so I've had got a lot of good memories there and a lot of good fishing. And, uh, but you know, uh, the coppers been, was really, really good to me. Uh, and, uh, Kispiox, part of that is because Bob McCray lives on the Kispiox there. And, you know, he's a friend, so I get to spend more time with him. Uh, um, but, uh, yeah, the, the Bulkley's been good to be too, so. When you say the copper, uh, um, <clears throat> is that Hadigwai? No, oh, no, no. The Zyomets is what they, oh, okay. within the range of regulations there, you know, it's, a, mm -hmm. it's, it's probably, I probably shouldn't say this, but it's 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 probably as good a good a river ever as 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 the Dean was. But the only problem with the copper, it's it gets these, it's it's glacial, okay, from McClure, and it it's you know, got the weather systems that come in. You know, you could be there one day, and the next year, day it's up, uh, you know, ten feet into the into the trees. So uh, you know, the rain when it comes, it comes, and uh, right. So you know, it's not one of those places that you. My early days traveling up to uh, up to the Skeena country, I'm, well, I'm going to go to the Copper, okay? But uh, uh, so often it was, uh, you get there and then the rains came and uh, mm. you, you, know, you only have a week to go fishing. Uh, uh, so anyway, you, I stopped going up there for a number of years because they just didn't have the time to do the 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 exploring that I'd like to do, okay? Sure. And then when I did start going up for my, my month, I... I, I wasn't happy unless I came home uh, of of catching fish out at least five Skeena system rivers. So, you know, I even I'd be on one having good fishing, but I want to go see another one. So, uh, right. Uh, yeah. So, it, you know, I, just, some... I, like the, I like the variety. Uh, and, uh, you know, I really liked in the past well, 20 years, probably uh, fishing rivers where I can, I can skate a, a fly across the surface and bring them up. Okay. That became oh, yeah. my, that like my, yeah. I my, could see, yeah. I could see why you want to do that. As yeah. as somebody that's been doing this long time, I I like talking about. So you know, I'm in my mid fifties, and I've noticed the rivers we used to hit, the lakes we used to hit, they're not quite the same as they used to be. And I only imagine it's probably more magnified the further back you go. But talk to me about systems like the Vetter, the Chilliwack. The Chehalis. What were those systems like back in the day before, you know, we all kind of the population grew so much? Yeah, uh, you know, people think that you know, like the, like the Thompson. You know, there was a lot of people that fished that river back in the in the sixties and seventies when I was 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 going up there. Uh, again, it was it was a kill fishery, so. Uh, uh, you'd go up there in the in the morning. You'd find like on the rock run there, or off in the nickel there. There'd be there'd be twenty people, thirty people on the two banks, just standing there casting out into the river. So uh, it uh, there was a there was a fair amount of people. Uh, the vetter was uh, uh, similar, but you know, one thing that happened in 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 the uh, the early 80s i guess you know, we were pretty good at catching and, and the runs went down really really bad and this is when catch and release started to come in but uh when it came in on the vetter you could you could go up there and there weren't very many people fishing so it was kind of nice having this this river to yourself basically okay so um right. but then you know people got onto it and uh, uh 
And I can't remember now what the question was. I'm, well, I'm basically, <laughs> I'm, I'm just curious, like, as somebody that's been doing this a while, how... You know, yeah. you see the landscape change. You see the rivers oh, change. Yeah. Well, you again, see the numbers change. Yeah. Oh, well, you know, the steelhead runs. Like Vancouver Island used to be really, really nice place to go. You know, you'd go over there. We'd uh, fish in the Nanaimo River. We'd uh, Oyster River, Camel River. Uh, you know, the Gold River, river was uh, really good. But, you know, they're, they're, I don't think they found any fish in it last year, if I remember correctly. Okay, so, wow. you know. Things have gone down on Vancouver Island. Really, uh, yeah. Really, uh, you know, I, I caught my first steelhead out of the couch. I remember probably in in uh, I don't know '66, maybe something around there '67. Hmm. And uh, you know, it was a favorite stream for years and years and years. And I still get get over, got over there. I didn't get there this past year. Again, COVID uh, took the the trip away. But uh, right, um, you know, I I fished it for. Well, over fifty years. So, and you ask a favorite river. That's been a favorite river for yeah. me. Not not just for steelhead fishing, but for for trout fishing as Browns. well. So, yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah what so. what do the writings of Roderick Haig Brown bring to your world? Because I, I got to tell you something. Like when I when I read his stuff, and I can't remember if it was Fisherman's Fall or Fisherman's Winter, and I might even be getting the names wrong. It's been years since I read them. But it just, they were really haunting words. They were really, I just, I wanted to go there. And um, when you talk about, you know, now maybe there's no fish in that river, I, I, I find that so sad. But um, what do his writings bring into your world? Oh, well, again, there's, uh, I, you know, I look at, at Hig Brown as, as, a, as a mentor in fly fishing, but he also in, in, in conservation. You know, I remember him uh, in, in, in writing i don't know which which book it was but uh, you know the abundant salmon and we we're thinking that we would we we just couldn't possibly damage that to resource eh? but uh, you know look at what we what we've done okay to it uh, so and you know his his ethics on uh, on uh, not catching too many fish and and how we how we catch them okay uh, and uh, you know, in the Western Angler, there, uh, his, uh, you know, he, he he did an experiment where he used roll, okay, to see how effective it was over just a, he was Devon Devon minnow fishing, and the amount of fish he caught with 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 rows, and he you know it, it it became banned on Vancouver Island because of those writings, okay, because it was so effective, and uh, so, but you know, it's not anymore, I don't think, but I I can't. I can't recall what the regulations are. I haven't been yeah. fishing very much that, now. So. You know what, though? That's a really good point. They changed so much now. Like, you think yeah. you know them. You got to read them now. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, one of the things, you know, the Camel was a nice river, too. I really like to fish it because, again, Van Egan, who was Rod's best friend, uh, uh, I got to know Van in, in the early eighties. And, you know, he came to the Dean with me and I would go over to Camel river and we'd fish and rail van would take me up into, into the Nymphka system. Cause that's where Rod, his first job in, in British Columbia was up there and on a survey crew. Okay. And for a timber company up on the, 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 the again, the Nymphka river system and the, uh, timber, I think is set up there and uh, whatever. There's another, 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 uh, novel that he wrote that uh, was based on it, uh, but uh, uh, so 
Uh, you know, I get to, I got to get to know Hague Brown a little bit more because here's his best friend taking me to these places where Hague Brown used to fish. And uh, so, um, you know, you, you want to hear a funny I'm... story? A good friend of mine I fished with for years um, grew up on the island, and he's older than myself. And he he tells me uh, he actually came before him in court when he oh, was yeah. kind of a up to no good teenager doing some things he shouldn't have been doing. And he said. Yeah, that guy was an amazing fisherman because he'd see him out and about, but he said, you did not want to come across, uh, you know, in court. <laughs> yeah, well, but, especially if you're doing something against the environment or wildlife, okay, he was uh, yeah, pretty strict. So I think it might have been more of an alcohol thing than a fishing thing. Oh, but, right. Oh, yeah. Um, okay. <laughs> but he, uh, he, he talks about that with fondness because I think that's an old school mentality. And, and I just, yeah. I, I look at his, I, I, I read his writings. I read them for years. I, I got to go back to them because you kind of forget over time. And yeah, yeah. Just, oh yeah. Well, I think I think, I think it was one of his 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 his, his best works was that uh, "River Never Sleeps." Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 Uh, in there, you know, I I I have a pretty good angling library. Okay, and, and uh, you know his 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 chapter on on making the library that's in there got me started on a lot of those books that. Uh, you know, he recommended, uh, you know, to have. Okay. And, uh, hmm. so I owe him a lot in, the, in, 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 in that respects too, because it's it, getting, getting a, a, a broad based angling library and reading all these books, it, 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 it broadens your, your, your aspect of fishing. Okay. And your knowledge and, uh, uh, you can, uh, yeah. So I'm curious as somebody that's been doing this long time, uh, now you know with social media, you think how hard we had to find you know the 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 honey holes, the the lakes to go to, the the steelhead, the systems to hit. You had to really work at it. Now you can go on Instagram or yep. Facebook, and what 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 is the biggest change that you've seen? Well, I would see uh, that okay, uh, and the amount of information that's available on on the internet on all this stuff is. Uh, you know, back back again when I wanted to learn how to fly cast, I took a course. Okay, you, you can go to any fly shop now, and they've got people there. Okay, you want to learn how to, to tie a fly? Uh, you can take courses there. Uh, again, when when I was doing it, you either had to learn through reading a book or or take a a night school course, and there were and there wasn't very many there. Okay, so. Uh, uh, I guess the amount of information that's out there and readily available, uh, it's a boon at times for people that are, are starting and stuff like that, but it's also, a, uh, as, as it's poor aspects of when you, it, uh, it, 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 I guess people get to learn quicker. Uh, mm -hmm. you know, when I started steelhead fishing, you know, the guys were, were it was a two year apprentice to catch a fish is what, what, what they figured. Okay. Yeah. Right. So, you know, you plugged away at it for quite a while. But think about uh, it, to... Art, that's when fish were numerous, right? So you, yeah, when, when you say right. I yeah. got six, seven in the day on the Thompson, I'm just like, whoa, because I, I fish not, that. Not, not, not in a day, in a week, okay? Well, that's, <laughs> okay, so, but that's, yeah. that's epic yeah. to me because, like, to even get yeah. into one, I mean, I, oh, I, yeah. I fish that system a lot in the early, I want to say late, late 80s, early 90s when you could still fish it. And yeah. 
some of the biggest fish I've ever seen in my life, just porpoising in front of me, laughing at what I was trying to do. Never had a lot of luck at it, you know, but I, I sure had a lot of respect for that system and just thought there's some history here. There's some genetics here that, I just hope they keep getting passed along. If that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. No, well, again, it's really sad where it's at. Let me tell you. It's, uh, yeah, yeah, and yeah. So, sorry, I'm getting off track here. I, I, uh, I know you do some still water stuff too. So, tell me about that. Where, where are you at with that these days? I know with COVID, there's not a lot of travel, but we suspect soon, probably in a week or two, things might open up. Um, yeah. What's your gut feel? Where Where do you want to go? Where do you want to? Well, again, I'm going to I'm going to be going up to Corbett Lake, okay, just because of reminiscence about Peter and stuff like that. And the, the lodge has bought a case of books, so uh, I'm going to take them up there when I can get a chance to go. And uh, so I'll do a little fishing there. Nice. I used to like Lac Lejeune, but right now with COVID and stuff like that, once the camps campsites. Opens up to uh, it, it, it gets packed. Okay. How and, well did uh, you know Gord? Uh, Gord Honey? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, not well. Okay. okay. But okay. I, 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 I knew him. Uh, I don't think I saw him that often on the lake up there. Uh, uh, but uh, yeah. So, no. I was just curious. I used to talk to him every week. Sorry, my, yeah. my dog's bark, yeah. barking well, here. I, I, yeah, I, I, you know, again, we did correspond at times when I was writing these fly books and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, yeah, he was always a great guy to talk to. But when when you yeah. say Lac Lejeune, that that's a that. Yeah. I well, mean, you're I, hitting the hot spots for me, like Corbett Lake. We spent a lot of time. Yeah. Um, Lac Lejeune. What about like Tonkwa, Roche? Well, yeah, I've been to both of them, but not that often. Uh, you know. Um, yeah. Um, again, I don't do a, a lot of it. So, uh, what are you fishing? Go- what are you fishing out of these days on the still? Are you pulling a trailer? Or what's your go-to vessel? Oh, I have a Watermaster. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's oh, what yeah. I do. <laughs> so, I, any lake fishing I do, whatever whatever shoal has to be relatively close. Okay, because I'm not going to row a long ways for uh, for. Yeah. Again, I I used to have a a tin boat with a nine horse motor on it when i was doing a little bit more but uh i got found boat and motor was just too much of a pain uh, yeah. actually hauling it behind my camper was a, another pain i didn't like to do that so what? i went into i did a had a, a, a raft okay uh, inflatable that i i could put a motor on it but again it, it'd be my me and my chum okay we'd pick pick lakes that would be relatively close and we could just roll roll into the spots that we wanted to fish so yeah a few weeks ago i had uh, randy pascal on and oh, yeah. he, he said something that really stuck with me that i think you could probably appreciate he said it bothers me because one question i ask on the show a lot is kind of is what irks you about what we're doing as fly fishers is there anything we could be doing better and he said we forget that we're standing on the shoulders of all these people, like the Roderick Haig Browns, the Brian Chans, the Phil Rollies, the Art Lingrens. We forget that other people have come before us, and we want to learn now. It's kind of a uh, you know immediate satisfaction kind yeah, of society. Right, yeah, yeah, you go online, yeah. you can figure it out, or you, you or you think you can, but you're not living it till you're doing it. It's one thing to watch yeah. it. It's another, yeah. but but I thought that was a really good point. What, what do you think yeah. about the? Yeah, well, again, I think you know, all, all, 
Oh, most of us go through uh, that, that three, there's three, three lies of a fisherman, uh, which have been, oh, some British author, I think it was uh, Lord Gray of Falodon that put it in his book, Fly Fishing, that we go through, uh, you know, we, when we start, we want to catch fish, okay, uh, and we're not really that particular about, you know, what, we, how we catch them, okay, for me, I did bar fishing on the Fraser, and I did gear fishing, I did salmon fishing, but, you know, uh, um oh the flasher and then mooching and stuff like that and uh I, and then you get into you know you want to catch you want to catch a lot of fish and then you want to catch the big fish okay and that took me into into steelhead fishing and and then when you get into uh the latter part uh and even fly fishing you know when you start fly fishing you still want to catch fish okay but uh then then the big fish comes but as, as you progress along through that uh those lives, uh, you, you care more in, in the latter parts of how you catch them and where you catch them than you do uh, the quantity and the, and, the, and the size of them. Uh, you know, I get good, just a good, good, bigger big kick out of catching a, a, a 12 inch grayling up in the northern British Columbia or, a, you know, a 14 inch trout out of the Skagit than I, than I right. do a real steelhead. So, uh, you know, it's. Uh, yeah, it, it's amazing to me how we can draw satisfaction from both. Yes. You know, yeah. so you can catch your 32-inch doe yeah. in a big system, or you can, like you say, you can catch your 12-inch um, rainbow in the Skagit, but there's still satisfaction in both. Yeah. Well, I think the one thing about try fly fishing is, try, you know, there's a lot of variety that you can be doing, eh, from uh, fly fishing for, for salmon, sea run cutthroats, rainbow trout, okay, uh, steelhead. Right. Winter steel had uh, bull trout. Okay, so <laughs> there's just so 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 much variety that you can be doing that, uh, and it can take you to different places too. You know, it's uh, I haven't done a lot of traveling, but you know I've been to Newfoundland a few times to go after Atlantic salmon, and I've been to Alaska a couple of times uh, fishing up there, and I've been down to Washington State and Oregon, and uh, hmm. I've only been to Alberta once. Okay, uh, that was with my son to. And fish the old man river and cut some cutthroats i guess it probably, nice. probably like that. but you know uh, and i haven't uh, i haven't even done anything in the kootenays and the, you know the opportunities up there are really really oh, yeah. uh, well, you know british Columbia is a really really big place and yeah. so there's so much so much uh, opportunity and experiences that you could have here that uh, you really don't know what we need to go anywhere else and you know i've I guess, you know, some of these other places that, that I've been to, uh, we we have it pretty good here. And, and yeah. you know, especially you know, the summer run steelhead fishing that uh, is, is it has been available, you know, even on up in the Skeena, you know, the runs were going down quite, quite, quite bad. Like last year, you know, with COVID restrictions, but, you know, I, I did not catch a steelhead. And that's the first time in, I think, in probably 55 years I didn't catch a steelhead. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, well, that speaks volumes. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to ask you to kind of go to your happy place. Paint us a picture. So this is your dream day. So walk us through this like an artist, okay? So is there something warm? Is there coffee to drink in the morning? Are you fishing a river? Are you chasing steelhead? What kind of flies are you throwing? If you had to describe your perfect day, paint us a little picture, Art. Well, uh I, I think probably right now it would be 
getting up, having breakfast uh, with uh, with some friends, okay, on uh, on a river that I go to for spring uh, cutthroat fishing. And uh, we would be on the river uh, while we do our shuttle because we're going to be drifting. And I uh, would we do our shuttle and then we start fishing, okay? And it'd be eight o'clock and five o'clock we'd come by. But our ideal day would be just wandering around looking for fish chasing fry and, uh, you know, just working the river and uh, having a good place to have lunch during the during the day and then afterwards, okay, uh, the day's done and we look at, uh, you know, talk about uh, what, it, what it's been like and what our experiences were, what kind of birds or animals we saw along the river there and uh, and then back and enjoying a nice dinner with friends and hmm. and, and doing the repeat the next day. Uh, so, so Sounds uh, like you might be doing something similar to that at the uh, Corbett Lake Country Inn. Yeah, right. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I will actually. One of my friends from Port Alberni is going to come over and uh, and go with me. And uh, I'm sure I have probably people I know up there. So I really like Ann Thompson. Okay, the manager there. She's mm. a real nice lady. So. Yeah, she's awesome. Yeah, met Ann at the uh, the fly fishing show. Yeah. How how important in your mind is it? The full experience. So it's one thing to be fishing, but it's the for me. I get as much satisfaction as getting in the truck with a buddy and driving to the destination or when you come off the lake or the river and you got something nice to drink and you're shooting the shit about what you're doing. For me, there's as much satisfaction in that as there is sometimes in the fishing. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, I agree. Okay. Yeah. You know, I think I just explained part of that was when I, you know, the end of the day, we're come back to our cabin and we're, you know, have, have a, a glass of wine and just talk and uh, and, and relate our experiences and uh, just being with good company, like like-minded people. Okay, too. Okay, it's right. uh, yeah, uh, yeah. You don't want to go fishing with somebody that you you know doesn't think the way you 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 yeah. you, you do. The, you know there there are guys out there that are really really competitive eh? and they want to get there first and uh, right. So, uh, so anyway, what what kind of wine do you like to drink? Oh, I like uh, reds mostly, but uh, mm-hmm. I'm mostly on uh, BC wines. Okay, I'm looking at my wines. I, I I don't have a lot of them, but I got a a a, a big fridge that takes 160 bottles, and it's probably full. Okay, so what, what's your go-to? Uh, my go-to? Yeah. Uh, which? Right, let's talk red. Let's talk red. Well, I like Cabernet Sauvignon, but I do like the uh, the blends of uh, uh, right. uh, yeah, the Bordeaux type yep. uh, blends. Uh, uh, we have make some good Pinot Noirs. I actually like Cab Franc too. Okay. Yeah. No, that's cool. I I uh, for me, that's the the wine thing, the food thing. Like it's part of the package, right? Whether you're cooking oh, is, hot yeah. dogs on yeah. the barbecue or you're, you know, we get when you're outdoors all day, you're hungry. And at oh, the yeah. end of the day, you want something decent to drink, something warm to eat. And I just, I don't know, I, I find food tastes different when I'm outdoors. Yes. Oh, yeah, right. It does. You know. <laughs> and you can eat more of it, too, it seems. Okay. Oh, yeah. Better, better appetite. To, 100%. Uh, <laughs> so, it, um, 
I'm not going to take up too much of your time. I really appreciate you doing this tonight. I just, one thing I want to ask you is, is a question. It's kind of a philosophical question. What can we be better at as a group? Is there anything that kind of irks you that's like, oh, why, why is this going on? No, no, I can't think of anything, you know, uh, uh, you know, fly fishermen are pretty sharing and, you know, willing to pass on information and knowledge to uh, like-minded people. So, uh, mm -hmm. if, uh, if, you know, it's, there's, there's good com camaraderie there and yeah, no, I, yeah. No, yeah, I, I agree. And, and that's, yeah. that's echoed. Like I look at the people you've interviewed and talked to in your books and I think of the people that I've chat, had the pleasure of chatting with on this podcast. There, there's not a single person that I've talked to. I wouldn't go, I want to spend time yeah. with that guy or yeah. that gal or that, you know what I mean? It's like, you're right. It's, yeah. um, yeah. How, how much of it in your mind is, I, I, this is just kind of a personal bias, but for me, hones my observation skills so i'm um, you know you're looking at what insects are coming off you you're looking at the eagle flying overhead when i'm driving to work i may not notice as much but when you're out in nature and you got a fly rod in your hand and you're throwing for steelhead and there's bugs coming off there's something something kind of primitive about that that just kind of I don't know what it is. I don't know how yeah, to verbalize. Well, you know, we, 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 you know, most of our existence, we've been hunter gatherers. So, uh, you know, I think that some of that basic stuff is still there for uh, right. a lot of us. Okay. To like the outdoors and, and doing uh, this, uh, you mm -hmm. know, the hunt uh, for the, the fish. And uh, uh, so, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, Art, thanks. Thanks so much for spending time with us tonight, talking about yeah. what you've been up to. Um, you know, something I didn't even talk about tonight is fly patterns. And I, that's, I, we could go down a whole rabbit hole on that. I have a feeling we have to, um, maybe, uh, when you have a spare moment, we'll hook up and, and chat about that. But, um, yeah. thanks so much. Actually, my next, my, my, my next book on which I'm working on, which will be out later this year. It's kind of a, it's a reminiscence, but it's uh, my title right now. And I don't know if I'm going to change this. I'm halfway through the book, but a fly fisher's affection for elegant and inspirational fly. So, mm. yeah. So how, how many books can one person write in a year? That's my question. Well, yeah. And I keep on coming up with these, uh, these, these ideas. Okay. Uh, uh, and part of it is to keep me busy while doing, yeah. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> well, I, I, I too busy. Okay. Uh, I, I like doing this stuff. So, uh, <laughs> well, uh, thanks for what you do. Um, check out all his books. There's so many, uh, we talked about him at the beginning of the show. He's got one on Peter McVeigh, um, yeah. fly patterns of Roderick Haig Brown. That's, that's interesting as heck to me. Yeah, um, that's really hard to find that one. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah, we're going back. I, I got to use bookstore. Uh, that's in my... 1993. Okay. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah, well, yeah. in 94, you did the Thompson, right? The, the yeah, River Journal. Yeah. 96, yeah. Patterns of uh, BC. Yeah. Irresistible yeah. Waters, Steelhead River Journal. You want to learn about the Dean River. If you ever headed to any of these um, epic destinations in British Columbia, um, yeah. Reach for Arts books, Kiss Biox, Bob Clay, Harry Lemire, Steelhead Influences, Bill McMillan, Sid Glasso, Art Lingren, thanks for doing this. Uh, have a great season on the water. Yeah, okay, thanks, and I'll... Uh... I'll have to come by the winery up there one day. You you know what? You have my cell number. We're going to taste some yeah. barrels, and then we're going to yeah. go chase some 10-pound rainbows. 
Yeah, okay. <laughs> Sounds good. The Fly Fishing 97 podcast is brought to you by theflycrate.com. Thank you for listening to the Fly Fishing 97 podcast. Your feedback matters. Let us know if there's a person or topic you'd like discussed. Email us at mark at flyfishing97.com. Until next time, tight lines and we'll see you on the water. Thank you.